All right. Well, what, what normally happens happened and the race has started and uh, basically this podcast took a breather. I'll call it a breather instead of a break. Um, but this actually leads us to uh, the purpose of this conversation and topic that I was going to go with today and actually in part my guest as well, um, which is essentially early season races, early season challenges, um, purpose, uh, pros and cons, um, basically taking on races uh, when your form is still building, what that can mean, what happens when you're facing competition that might actually be better than you um and just what the challenges of that are and uh so i have a a great guest with me today i have um somebody that i've known for a while um and we've worked together for a while in all sorts of different capacities um so ricky why don't you um, i'm gonna let you introduce yourself um just tell us a little bit about yourself who are you um yeah give us a spiel sure yeah thanks for having me um my name is Ricky Arnipol. I ride for Project Echelon. So Isaiah is um, the boss in that regard. Um, He's also been my coach previously. And so he was a boss in that regard. And he's also I work at Fast Cat Coaching as well. So he's my boss in that regard. And then he's also my friend. So yeah, we know each other in um, a few facets. But yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm a bike peddler for Project Echelon. I've been with the team for a while now. And, you know, beyond that, I'm just like a normal joe i guess just you know like the rest of us just trying to do this traveling circus and race my bike and you know stay above water living in boulder at the same time so yeah i think i'm a pretty pretty simple guy in that regard i think uh ricky along with many many guys uh in the pro peloton is modest he isn't necessarily something that uh, somebody that talks about himself in a very cocky way um so uh he's he's quite a good, good bike peddler. He's very good at pedaling circles. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's come, I mean, it's, it's cool. He's basically at at the point, the team is, is basically facing some of the best competition and best riders in the world. And he's, um, quite good at that. So he's also quite a, a very accomplished coach himself as well. So, um, what, I guess, why don't we start with, uh, what just transpired. So the reason why this podcast took a little bit of a break is we all traveled to Europe and did, uh, the first Europe block and a broad block of the year. Um, the race is called challenge Mallorca. It's a really cool platform because it is, uh, instead of a stage race, it is five single day races. And, um, from what we learned is it's basically used by a lot of world tour teams, a lot of professional, um, highly professional teams, big budget teams, um, to basically just almost have like an early season prep holiday that they add on to whatever training camp they might be doing. Um, and, uh, because it's single days, you can rotate riders in and out. We didn't necessarily do that, but, um, you can do that. And then you don't have to finish. Like you can start the next day without finishing the race. So it's, it makes the, the races a little bit more dynamic. It makes them a little bit more topsy turvy. Um, and also a little bit more interesting as well. So, um, before we dive into how to process and how to handle early season races, I just wanted to hear what was your experience out there? Cause I saw it purely from the car. I didn't see it on the road and it's very different. So I wanted to hear basically just how was it? Yeah, no, I mean, it was, <laughs> it was like, it, it was cool and difficult and like, 
awesome and terrible, like all at the same time, you know, I'm, um, I'm like the kind of bike racer that needs early season racing to just get my racing legs and confidence, like under me, even like after like a bunch of years of doing this, I feel I'm very, I'm not the kind of guy that can hop into the first race and just be comfortable with everything and be confident mainly in like, you know, navigating the pack and stuff like that. Like fitness wise, I can always be confident and I know where I'm at, but then you go into debatably the biggest race I've ever done. And most of the guys on my team have ever done and having to be like, okay, we're going to put you in this field with teams that were also debatably like rostering their tour de France teams Mm -hmm. and be like, okay, you're going to navigate this pack and like, Oh wait, 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 we're going to throw something else at you. Like Mallorca has like very challenging, slick roads when they're dry and it's very mountainous there but it's also very narrow and twisty but like oh no we're also going to make it rain every day and so the roads are going to be even more wet and everything's going to be challenging oh yeah and it's also going to be 38 degrees when you're racing in the rain so like they you know threw all these things on top of us and so kind of having that be my first race of the season was very daunting to say the least um you know it's cool and you're kind of like starstruck while you're there but at the same time you're trying also to you know race your bike and so it was like all these things kind of happening at once and you know the experience for me was like I said a little bit like bittersweet because I just couldn't quite get my like feet under me especially the first day like for me basically the challenge was handling my bike and I consider myself you know a decent bike handler but all these guys are the best bike handlers in the world and, you know, they're taking these turns in the wet a couple miles an hour faster than me. So it's like fitness wise, I felt fine. Like I never even got to test it. But, you know, I was essentially getting dropped on descents and then having to use matches to get back on when the road straightened out and when it got flat again. And so, you know, each day you kind of get a little bit better and a little bit better. Like that was the cool thing about it being five one days. It's like the first day I just got totally punched in the face and then you know the next day I was able to you know (laughs) at least you know make it to the finish line and but yeah you know it was definitely an experience that will be beneficial for the rest of the season because like usually we do our Europe blocks in the past like pretty late and there's not much racing at the end and I'm always like shit I like wish that I could do some big racing after this because you come back so much better and like the one year that they had Joe Martin after we went to Europe was debatably probably my best part of any season that I've ever had. And so now to do this kind of block before the whole season kind of unfolds and before some big goals here in America, like to have those races under my belt, I think is going to be very beneficial. And it was, you know, in the end it was a little bit miserable, but it was also a cool experience that I wouldn't trade for a lot of things. All right, let's give it some context before we dive into, I guess, like, purpose and pros and cons you touched on it a little bit there um so what he means by the best in the world and what we were kind of talking about is um we were one of only two continental teams there um everyone else was a pro continental team and a world tour team um so the big teams big names that were kind of there um quick step was there they had a pretty solid um roster okay samsic was there ef was there um Oh man, who else? UAE and Bora both had solid teams. Yep. Um, Intermarche was actually one of the strongest teams. (laughs) Um, So it it literally was, you know, some of the best and um, some of the largest budgets 
out there. And then on top of that, it was it was uh, really quality teams as well because they had the ability to kind of rotate riders in. They could have, you know, 15 guys there and race them all. So it was uh, a very conducive way of um, giving guys early season prep without like crushing them or without, you know, they could keep it within control. So, um, yeah, it was, you know, Julian Alphalipe was one of their highlight riders at the, um, the race was really selling. Um, there was uh, tour stage winners in there. Uh, Thomas DeCant was there. Um, you, so you have multi uh, grand tour winners. Um, you have Jersey holders, you have uh, King of the Mountain Jersey winners from the tour. You have um, all sorts of just different riders, of different caliber that really are the best. Um, and when also to give you more context onto the, the courses, um, we pretty much hit the ground and looked at the weather and saw that it was going to be raining and miserable. It was going to be like 40 degrees, 50 degrees and raining. Um, they had to change one of the stages because it was basically snowed out on one of the KOMs. So the cat one went above 500 meters and it was actually snowed out. So they had to change it, um, to just do some of the cat twos. But basically what happens apparently when the, um, and Ricky can explain how this feels on the road, but, um, when there's so much moss there that, uh, the roads get really slippery when they're wet. And, uh, this was very evident with the amount of crashes that we saw. Um, I was having a hard time keeping the car on the road. So like it was a, uh, it was a very interesting experience. Um, but that also added to the technical element. So Ricky basically just like in the first race of the year, took all the things that we experienced throughout the year and experienced it in the very first um, event of the year. So, um, all right, why don't we talk? Well, I guess, like, do you have anything to add to that? Any experiences? Like no, no, I mean, <laughs> that was pretty spot on. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I guess let's talk about like what, why do early season races, I guess, from like your standpoint, why, why would you do that? If you, if you knew that you were going to go over there, you, this was going to be a big, big shock to the system. Um, you were going to have to work on like handling and technical riding and, uh, racing against some of the best racers in the world. Like, why would you do this right now? Why would you do it in January? Yeah, no, it's, it's funny because I think like, I basically got the call from you as I was driving out for holiday, like break in, in December, like, Hey, just to let you know, four weeks, you're going to go to race on Mallorca. And I'm like, Oh, shoot, 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 shoot. Okay, okay. And I remember like the first ride I did when I got to California for the holidays was like four hours. I was panicked. I did like the first two hours of tempo and you were like, okay, man, like, you know, take a breather here. Like, and you kind of told me, you know, like as my performance director, you're like, you laid the expectations down of like, we're going there for experience. And I think that's like the biggest thing that I could take away from it. Cause like, yeah, it's going to be a huge training stimulus and it's going to be like, leg speed race intensity that you can't get other than racing or not even motor pacing like you can't get the same kind of thing and then it's going to be the best in the world so like doing that to start off the year i would even put the fitness boost from it you know i could have gotten more tss that week if i were to stay in boulder and train on and ride the trainer i could have gotten more tss but it's it's a different type of tss and mainly it's like experience navigating those big races and then taking that and coming back to the u.s and you know going from being a minnow in an ocean to being a big fish in a much smaller pond here like bigger roads you know without being disrespectful like much less quality competition and i mean we still have really good competition here but when you're racing the best in the world it's like 
it's just totally different and you can't compare it. And I mean, the one thing that I can't even get racing here in the US that you get there is the speed of those races is is absolutely mind-blowing. And like, you know, it's the difference of having to make decisions while, you know, being in a pack at 35 miles an hour opposed to being, you know, 27 miles an hour totally feels different. And then, yeah, the, the, the demand, the physical demand of that is also something that you can't recreate in training really. So, you know, all of that, I think mixed together, even though, you know, racing is still two months away is something that's going to be stored in the bank and that I can use for the rest of the year. And in all honesty, we saw like PRs out there too, just in ways that we did, you know, it's not like I was thrown down a best 20 minute, but we'll, we look at like a five minute effort to begin, you know, a 25 minute climb and then look at the 20 minute after that. And it's really insightful data that we can take and then use to be like, you know, you and me talked about it the other day, you know, this was just on a cat three climb coming out of like a circuit or something basically it was like, Hey, you did this X amount of power, you know, going into this, that can yield you this at, you know, a race in the U S yeah. See, it almost sounds though that you're saying that the physical stimulus is almost like secondary or for sure, even, yeah. even third. Um, yeah. Which is, it's, yeah, it's I think a confidence thing. I yeah. think like bike racers, like most of us thrive on confidence. And that's kind of what I alluded to at the beginning of the podcast. Like I need races at the beginning of the year to gain confidence. And it's not just to like handle my bike. Like this was kind of a different circumstance. And I think the handling the bike thing there is going to still like pay dividends, but it's like just being comfortable at, you know, knowing that you should be at the front or be in a certain position um, goes a long way. It's like, I've always seen it as uh, relativity. So like for you guys, your like spread of what the different competition that you're taking on as like a lower rung professional team is pretty wide. So like you have the competition here in the US that is, as you mentioned, good competition, um, but it's on courses that you guys know. Um, it's on com with competition that you guys know. It's uh, in a controlled environment. You have the ability to like zone out. Um, versus when you go abroad, you have much higher competition, you have harder roads, you have harder courses, um, more dynamic racing, and you can like never zone out. Um, mm -hmm. so when you go and experience that, and then you go over to the U S where you can almost like, it's almost, it almost becomes just like easy in a just relaxing kind of way. Um, and I think that that almost more than anything, that perspective shift is what makes races like that. So impactful. Um, even if we just went out there and gotten, got dropped every single day and had a horrible time, like it still would have been something that that would have shifted kind of like how wide your guys's eyes are open essentially. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, again, it's, it's experience. And it's also one of those things that kind of makes you realize to do that style of racing over there, you just have to kind of be over there a lot. And it's similar to like here in the U S it's like to excel it's style of racing here. It's like, you just had to kind of immerse yourself in racing. And so doing those early season kind of races go towards that kind of goal of like understanding. Cause like I would almost equate racing here to more of a physical test mm -hmm. opposed to there. It's like, you're never even in good enough position to test it physically because you've been, you know, you're at the back trying to like get in that washing machine. Even you're like at the back of the washing machine, trying to get in there just to be in the mix. But it's like, it's just totally different. And here it's like, basically you just, you know, get to the climb and throttle yourself up the climb and see what you can do. So I guess like 
to to compare this or like give uh, others takeaway that maybe aren't doing these like high level races. So, you know, our athletes that are maybe just trying out these local races um, in, you know, warmer climates like uh, Texas, Florida, Arizona, California, um, how would this like, I guess, equate to to something like that? Like what should people be going into those early season races um, trying to have takeaways with like how how does that compare? Yeah, I mean, it's all totally relative to your situation, your goal, your you know goal, maybe later in the year and kind of where your physical abilities. I mean, some people that are in like a warmer climate or something like that, they might be, you know, firing at some of these races and they're going really good. You know, and a lot of us that have to ride the trainer throughout the winter and are in these colder places, like we're going there just to shake the legs out. Basically, it's like we've ridden Zwift for two months and we just need to kind of get out there and, you know, see what we can do. So like. I tell a lot of my athletes for these really early season races, it's like, don't, you know, have big race kind of goal expectations. Like let's focus more on process goals and things like that. It's like, I've got an athlete going to Valley of the Sun and we decided like, you know, it's, it's a pretty high competition there, like across the board, you know, everywhere from the pro race to the junior race, you know, it's like, so we set up some goals along the way of like, okay, let's just use the road race to try to work on getting in a break. And that's like another thing that, you know, it's not necessarily like race result oriented, but it's something that's going to make him better when he gets into the bigger races. And I think that's, you know, very similar to what we gained in Europe. It's like, okay, you know, one of the big goals and one of the goals that you see for most low level teams is like getting in the break. And so that's what we kind of set out to do. And we did, you know, luckily our, our teammate, Matt, like he's, He's very good at that. He's got a very good eye for getting in the break and he's very strong. So he was able to do that and get the KOM competition, which was huge for like a small level team with us. But, you know, you always see these teams doing these suicide moves in races where, you know, it's going to come back at the end. But just to get in that break is is not easy. You know, the neutral rollout in those European races is not easy. So it's all relative. And the same can be kind of said for any level race here in the US that's like, use these races just to learn how to race your bike again and to get the type of fitness that you can't get riding Zwift. Um, because then when you get to your real goal, you know, which might be April, May, June, you've had already done, you know, some stuff and that confidence can be there and you can get a big result out of these. Sometimes you never know. It's like you could ride the trainer all winter and then go to Tucson bicycle classic and win a stage. And then you're like riding that high till your big A event. And then you're like that much more prepared. I think what you said with learning how to race your bike again is huge because it's like control something you ultimately like this is early. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, I think what I didn't do a good job talking to my athletes about lately has been essentially like uh, perspective or what to kind of focus on when they're at these events, because it is early. It is one of those things that like, it's still January, it's still February, it's still March. And you have no idea what's going to happen. And I think the shock of like, oh yeah, this is bike racing again is um, what everyone experiences. And, it, and as Ricky said, like it's relative to your scenario and your ability level, like with Ricky going to Mallorca, like of course, like that he had to learn um, how to race his bike again in that environment, which is very extreme, which a lot of people can't do, but it's the same thing. If you're going to be going to Texas and doing one of the early season races, like you have to say, oh wow, this is what it's like again to be in a pack and not waste energy. Um, and I think like that's the, the bare 
like minimum that people should go into these races saying like, okay, this is what I want to do. And then physical might be a little bit secondary because the other side effect of that is it's hard not to say like, holy crap, everyone here is so fast. And that is a little bit of the danger of like going to the the hotter climates. Like a lot of those hotter climates, the side effect of that is those races, like Texas stops racing in the middle of the summer because they're same with Arizona. Yeah. Same with Arizona. And, and I think that's hard for athletes to keep in mind. Um, it's like, I have a racer in Texas that he pretty much is peaking in a couple of months that we planned that um, versus some of the athletes that were also in the field with him that like they're, you know, three months into their training. So it's, uh, it's hard to kind of keep that relative, but it's really important. And then the, I think that will help with the mentality of like, oh God, this is way too fast for me right now. And what am I doing here? And how do I do this again? And, and, uh, all that stuff. Um, but I think if you're like yeah. a really mature kind of bike racer too, and we, we had talked about this earlier in the year, it's like, first off, like if you can let your ego kind of go aside and you can just mm-hmm. be like, you know what, I'm okay with getting beaten at this race because, you know. I know that my goals lie at X point in the season Mm -hmm. and being okay with that goes a long way. And that was one of the things that like we had talked about with my season that I wanted to start things a lot slower and progress looked like it was always kind of behind, but then, you know, I had these benchmarks kind of along the way and I was still kind of ahead even, but like doing things like riding endurance at 20 Watts less than I normally had. And then when it was time to boost it up, then we did. And I felt like, way less, you know, effed at, you know, after some of these rides, because I'd kind of just chilled and been like, okay, like, I'll I'll be ready when it's time for that. And, you know, it's things like that, when you can just keep everything to plan, knowing that you have a plan, like, I think that goes a long way. And, you know, you don't have to be freaked out when these dudes in Arizona and Texas are like, wicked fast, because they're going to go to a race in the late spring or early summer and they're going to be pretty fried at that point. So it's, it's nice, like holding yourself back until you really need to excel. How do you process that mentally when you're going into these races and you know that you're behind? How do you, cause I, I would think that it would be, and I see this, that it's easy for athletes to just write themselves out because they know that they're behind. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think that's just taken years and years mm-hmm. of understanding in, in, you know, I guess when you, kind of you know excel in the sport and you get a little bit higher some you know of the races here in the united states and you really kind of refine your goals it's like my goals for the first part of the year really lie within a three-week period it's two races it's redlands and gila like that's what i'm targeting Mm -hmm. and with that it's like it's almost nice knowing that i'm behind right now because you know i've had years in the past where i've just like been four weeks too fit almost and i kind of fry right when it when it matters so to Like, it's like almost like a reaffirmation for me to be like, okay, I'm behind, but I know that's because I planned for it to be like that. And, you know, I'm going to be good kind of when it matters. If you can like assure yourself of that, and I guess, you know, it starts with having like a good plan, then you can take that like as confidence going into it. But, you know, it's hard when you go to a race and you kind of get throttled, but, you know, it's, it's something that it's just a part of the process of bike racing. Like, you see it at every level. You see like dudes like Garen Thomas went to tour down under and was getting, you know, smacked every single day. But that dude's going to show up at the tour this year, like flying because he knows exactly what he's doing. I think what, so what about, um, I guess 
using these races as like, what do you focus on? Like we already talked about you, you go into these races and are trying to essentially focus on like, all right, I'm going to, this is a process step. I need to learn how to race my bike again. But, um, amongst the pain of it all, we all don't really like be suffering all the time. So what do you focus on when you're out there? If you are suffering, like, what are you, um, how do you keep the negative thoughts, I guess, from just taking over? Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess I go into a lot of these with like specific, yeah, like process goals along the way. Like we'll take something like T Tucson bicycle classic, which is going to be my first kind of race here in the U S which is in, I don't know, like three weeks. And, you know, it's three stages, a TT, a road race and a circuit race. And so like for each of those, it's like the TT is just going to be like a really good fitness marker. And it's not necessarily one that's like great for me, but it's fine. And so I can get like something out of that to be like, okay, for this 10 minute effort or whatever it is, like, this is a good benchmark. You know, it's pretty objective in terms of the power that I can do. And then I can be like, okay, I can do this right now. And then, so that means like probably, you know, by Redlands or something like that, I could probably do five, 10 Watts higher or something like that. And then for the road race, it's like, gaining confidence with my team again, riding with the team and, you know, demanding my own space and gaining that confidence that like I belong at the front of this kind of race, which, you know, we've done in the past as a team, we basically, we take every race we do really seriously. And we use races like Voss and TBC, you know, not just as practice, but as, you know, races that we're kind of trying to set the tone for not just our team, but for the other teams to be like, Hey, we're, you know, we're the big dogs here. We're going to demand our space. We're going to control this race. We're going to try out new tactics. We're going to, you know, put new guys on the roster. And so it's working with like a team in that regard too. And then individually, it's like, for me, usually I'm not one of the fittest guys when those races happen, I'll be fit, you know, a month later, but I'll use those races too, to be like, okay, I'm going to be team player here and I'm going to do everything I can to be able to, you know, make sure we execute a goal that we set out. And it's, it's always kind of fun to be in a team dynamic too. And then, yeah, you know, if the opportunity presents itself, it's like, get my own kind of result there. But for a lot of these early season races, you know, they're maybe not suited towards what I'm good at. So I can put my efforts towards, you know, our sprinters on the team or our guys that are really good TTers that can win the GC. So, I mean, there's always stuff that I can take out of each race. And then again, going back to the fact that every race I do, it's confidence boosting, even if my sole goal is to, you know, ride the front for two hours of the race and then get blown with, you know, 5k to go. Like, that's totally fine with me. And like, I'm at the point again, where I can put my like ego aside and be like, you know, these guys are probably going to be working for me at some point. So like, I'm going to give everything I can for them. You sound good at keeping an eye on like the big picture, whole picture, both from like team perspective and yourself. And um, I mean, that definitely is from years of experience on your side. Um, what about what is too much early season racing? It's, it's funny. I just was on a different podcast with fast cat yesterday okay. and we talked, <laughs> yeah, we talked basically, we kind of had this conversation, but a little bit more boiled down to like the general public, but yeah, like too much, you know, again, like I said before, these guys that either train in the warmer climates or something, you know, or are doing a ton of early season racing, um, you can just as easily get fried, especially like it's not actually just even early season racing. I think because the racing is still a little bit sparse, but group rides are like the number one killer mm-hmm. of like just burning out super early and, you know, not being 
really good when you need to be. Because I think people like think that you need like months and months of racing and like group rides and hard training before you can be good. But like in my perspective, it's like, I don't even think you need more than like six weeks of it sometimes for me, maybe that's just it. It's like when I put like the pressure on, it's really like acute and really it's got like a reason behind it. But yeah, a lot of these guys are doing like every single local race. And then you get into this like pattern of basically such high intensity on weekends that it's like, it's like when you're planning for like a cyclocross season, it's all race and rest and then repeat. And so you can never actually build your CTL out because putting any more training on there is just going to be detrimental and you're just going to get fried. So it's like all you can kind of do is add on zone two volume. And for, you know, most people that have a job, it's like, you can't be doing three, four hours during the week. So like these guys wind up getting into this routine where it's like race on Saturday or group ride Saturday race on Sunday. And then you have to take Monday and Tuesday off because you did 500 TSS over the weekend. And then all you really have is one day to train during the week before you do it all over again. So people really fall into this pattern where they get their CTL up to this really great point. They're at like, you know, like 120 CTL and then they start racing and group riding all the time. And then you slowly see that CTL drop, but they've been doing so much intensity that they're just fried. They're at a point where all you can really do is recover. There used to be this like, man, what was it? Maybe eight years ago or something like that. Maybe even longer. Um, it was like the, hitting 60 race days was the big like yeah. marker everyone wanted to do it if, if you hit 60 then you were just like king you were you were baller um but looking back it was like none of those people that were t like really bragging about that um did anything or pulled it off or yeah were able to get a result really of any kind um and it is like the the physical aspect that you were talking about it's like the mental aspect too of uh, and this can be group rides too, where it's like, if you're going all out every single week for, I don't know, six months, like how, how, how much deeper are you really going to be able to dig, um, mm -hmm. in August? Is that really going to be a yeah. thing? Um, and I, I mean, this is in total juxtaposition of like Scott, who I had on here, who basically just races all the time. And he seems to be a total anomaly to it. Um, but I actually just listened to a podcast with Chloe Digert and she talked about how she never goes to a race unless she can win. And, mm -hmm. and that, I think that like, that's, I mean, obviously her like cutthroat killer mentality, but at the same time, it's kind of like, well, that doesn't really work for most people. <laughs> so um, I think that's like the trend that we're seeing though, is actually like, I think at, at the higher level, I think when, totally. I mean, I told an athlete this yesterday that I was like, he, he's a U23, you know, like cat four, three kind of level. And I'm like, dude, you just need to race as much as you can, because all you need to do is gain experience at this point where mm -hmm. like. I found myself now, I have way less race days, but they're all like quality and like I take, and it, it's kind of, it's tough because you put all your eggs in one basket kind of thing. And like, I think last season, like I saw what could go wrong when you do that, where it's basically like I fell apart right before my goals. Um, but yeah, it's like, you know, more training, more specific training, racing when it matters and racing kind of with a purpose and then really being at your best for a specific period and then essentially resting and doing it, you know, only two or three times. So it's like, you know, this season I look at my training peaks and I look at the events on there and it's like six races, but they're all big races and kind of everything in between is like, you know, I, 
I still like to do, you know, local racing because I think it's fun and I'm throwing in some gravel racing too, but everything is like really purposeful, you know, everything is, has a reason. And yeah, like I said, it's kind of all in for one goal. And if it works awesome, if it doesn't, then, you know, you tried your best. Yeah. Yeah. I think like you found a great balance of like, okay, you've done it now. Now you can kind of like scale it back and make purpose out of it and control the variables considerably Mm -hmm. more. Um, and I think that it's, it's hard to hold that motivation back sometimes because people like want it when they're starting out, they're motivated, they're ready to go. That's like, that's all they have is that itch to race again. Um, mm-hmm. And in the U.S., unfortunately, like a lot of the stage races are pretty front half heavy. So people usually dive into those really quickly. Um, but, you know, I think your health, your perspective is quite healthy and um quite mature so yeah people it's taken a long time (laughs) yeah (laughs) for us all uh but if people take things from ricky i think it's basically like you know see the full picture keep it in mind give yourself purpose with everything you do um and yeah keep an eye on those mental matches too because they make it count when it matters not when it doesn't yeah it's Mm -hmm. hard but um so ricky will be out at tbc here in a bit um i guess what are you excited for i mean we have like five minutes here but what are you yeah what are you excited for this year like what are you really wanting to do so i mean the year as a whole you know kind of like i said before i've got really big goals around redlands and gila like i always kind of have i always have especially gila like i've never felt like i've had a good race there it's always been something Mm -hmm. and you can throw lots of excuses i feel like i always have some really weird excuse for it um so yeah, I'm really looking forward to that in Redlands too. Like Redlands is probably my favorite race, period. I just love doing it. And um, you know, last year we kind of proved that we were, I in my opinion, the top team here in the US, like racing domestically. Um, and I'm really excited to continue that. We have more guys that I think can help further that. And then, you know, for that first part of the season, that's a big goal. And then we're doing some kind of different international races, I think, uh later on. And those are super exciting as well. And, you know, <laughs> we were talking about this before, like I'm considering doing like Crusher in the Tusher this year. I'm already signed up for Steamboat. So like I did like Steamboat for the first time last year and I was kind of hooked on that. So like as a fun secondary kind of race going and doing that. And yeah, I mean, honestly, just like being healthy, racing my bike, having fun, being with the team, like all that stuff is kind of been like just happening every year and every year we just kind of get a little bit better. So it's a little bit more fun when you're winning often. So, you know, kind of continuing that trajectory and, um, and yeah, seeing what I can do, you know, for myself and seeing what results I can pull off. I'm old, you know, now like (laughs) I'm 30 and I'm dwindling in this sport and, you know, so I'm trying to squeeze everything I can out of my remaining years. (laughs) Well, I mean, you still have people on the team that are well above you. So as long as they stick around, you're good to go. (laughs) I know. Yeah, exactly. As long as they have the medium age always stays at like 32. I'm like still the younger one. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right, dude. Well, thanks for, thanks for jumping on here um, early in the morning and yeah, getting some good perspective. Um, I guess I didn't get, maybe we can end with this. Do you have any stories like wild stories from Mallorca, standout stories from Mallorca that people would enjoy to hear Mm. before we jump off? I mean, literally every day was just absolutely <laughs> every day had like a story. We'd get back to the bus and be like, did you see when that guy did this? And I'd be like, yeah, like, did you actually, I do have a really good story. The probably debatably the 
it had the most potential to be our best day, but was our team's worst day <laughs> was when it started off with like 60K of circuits around this town. And we didn't really like give it the respect that it needed. And then once we start, like a few guys were like, hey guys, you know, this climb actually looks like a real climb. It's like 2K of this 8K circuit. And we do it like five times and we're like, oh, it's fine. It'll probably just be like a crit in the US. The stage was absolutely insane. And we just didn't think it would be as insane. It was like people in cars all over the place. But the best part of it was we were really strung out at a certain point, And there was a gap to us in the group. And I don't know why, because I don't think he should have gone up there. But the UAE car decided to pass all of us. <laughs> but his bikes were not fastened. Their bikes were not fastened to their racks on the car. So they like yeeted themselves on a speed bump. And two Colnago, like $12,000 Colnagos, like tomahawked themselves into the air and just hit the ground and exploded. And like every single person in like English and French and Spanish was like, oh, just like pointing and yelling at the car. And then, you know, for perspective, like simultaneously, we were absolutely pinned. It was like, 0.95 if for like an hour and a half and then like a point not and it was the one day where i made it over the climb in the group and i'm like holy shit like i i did it and then i hit a pothole on the descent and flatted out and never yeah. made it back and then sl <laughs> slowly like i saw more and more of my teammates like in the cars or in the broom wagon that tyler had flatted too and so we all just laughed that day because it was just epically funny that we, we all were like kind of doing okay and then we all just got absolutely demolished at the end but the funniest part was seeing uae just tomahawk like fifty thousand dollars worth of bikes just off the top of their just car Some, someone got fired that day yeah for sure <laughs> yeah that day was epic <laughs> ah man europe all right dude yep. uh i will talk to you later thanks for jumping on and yeah, yeah have a wonderful day